It's a popular uh, belief in the uh, culture of, uh, of the GTA, and it usually gets stated like this, and so you tell me if you've heard this. All religions are the same, and uh, all religions lead to God. How many of you have heard that at some point? Okay, Most of us have, right? Because it's, it's pretty, pretty well out there. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, wow, I wonder if that's true of other things. For example, you know, all roads lead to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. You just get on a road and just drive, and you'll end up in Punxsutawney, you know? Or, you know, dial any number on your cell phone, and you'll get home, right? Or, you know, drink water anywhere, and all water's the same, and you should be fine, you know? Or all airlines fly to Ho Chi Minh City, or, you know, just, you know, all surgeries, if you've got a heart problem, any surgery you get is going to cure the heart problem. That's, that's kind of goes along with that, okay? So I'm, I know I'm just messing with you here. But I'll tell you what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about selfie religion. Jesus talked about that, and I want to, you know, I even got a selfie stick for this purpose. So anyway, let me show, that, show you that later, okay? But religion is about things that you do to impress God. That's what religion is about. And let me put it like this. Religion is do. You just do. You, you keep on doing. You know, good works, prayers, you do all this stuff. You keep on doing. And it's sponsored, you know, by you know, religious institutions, by rules that you keep, and so on. Now, the problem is that nobody ever tells you precisely how much you need to do. Okay? And faith in Jesus, when you read through the New Testament and what Jesus taught, it's spelled done. And that's why somebody can get baptized here. And it simply means that they haven't accomplished necessarily anything with their lives. It means that they've just received the gift that Jesus offered. Now, here's the deal, okay? If you want to go the religion route, that's fine. But you need to understand that you're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to be surprised because it doesn't lead to God. And you could put it like this. It's not that, you know, you know, all religions lead to God. What Jesus said is no religion leads to God, even the one that was apparently started in his name. Now, I, I know this because Jesus talked to one of the best religious people back in his day. So this guy was like at the top of the charts, like he had obeyed all the rules and he was a, he was a religious professional and he had obeyed, he had done everything. He probably had a good bit of the Bible memorized. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, so what do I need to do to be part of the kingdom? And Jesus, his name is Nicodemus. I call him Nick at night because he came at night. And Jesus said to him, you've, you've, like, you've got to start all over. You've got to start all over again. You need to be transformed from the inside out. You're going in the wrong direction. Shocking, okay? Now, right in the middle of this uh, powerful message that we call the Sermon on the Mount, and this is kind of the last message in this particular part of the series, Jesus talks about uh, the practice that most of us would consider to be good things that we do, you know? Um, and his warning is that if you do these things to impress other people, like, if, that's, if, if this is like a selfie with you and God and somebody else in the picture, then you've lost the plot. And I'm going to read what he has to say about that. But let me just go with this, okay? 
our, our mission here at the church is trans, to be transformed by the good news of Jesus so that we can be good news and have a transforming impact. Religion does not have a transforming impact. Okay? We've been talking about how, you know, that we bring these little plants into our hearts, these things that, you know, we tolerate, and when we bring them into our hearts, whatever it happens to be, that it doesn't stay little. And I used the imagery of, you know, our house. We planted this English ivy, and the stuff took over the side of our house, and I had to haul it off two times, and it was pulling off screens and pulling off soffit and so on. Because when you bring a little plant into your life, you see, what happens is it keeps growing, whether it's greed or lust or anything like that, and it will destroy your life. Um, we, <laughs> unhappiness is, you know, I am mostly committed to me. And then this, you guys didn't see this last week. This is an amazing drawing. I, I just, you know, but I didn't get a chance to show. Happiness is when you have peace with God and you have peace with others and you have peace within. That's what brings happiness to our lives. Okay. Now I'll tell you where we go. Okay. This is the self river. You've heard of, you know, the Mississippi River and the Niagara River and so on. This is the Sulf River, okay? But it, in this case, it kind of goes in two different directions. If you just float downstream, what this leads to is selfishness, self-preoccupation, self-feedom, and self-interest. That's where it leads. And none of those are happy places to be. If you want to go upstream then it leads to selflessness and it leads to self-control and other things. And it ultimately leads to happiness. That's, that's the way it always works. You can count on it, okay? It's easy to float downstream. It is. It's kind of the thing in our, in our culture that we can just float downstream and so on. And, you know, we'll be okay. Well, we won't. Now, there, let me just tell you a few things about what Jesus had to say. Let me read what he says here. He basically was saying, selfie religion is a waste of your time. It's a waste of your energy. Let me read what he said. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Now, I want you to notice, he's not saying that, you know, you're never to do anything in front of other people. He's, just best, he's saying, you better be careful why you're doing it. Like, you don't need to be in the picture. Okay? For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven if you do that. And when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now, does it please God when we do good things for other people? What do you think? Of course it does. Does it please God when we call out to him and say, I really need your help. I need, you know, I need you to intervene in my life. I need you to work in this situation. Does that please God? Of course it does. Does it please God when you say, you know what? Like my self-control has kind of gotten out there a little bit, so I need to make sure I bring it in and I need to fast and I need to do something, some kind of a discipline to help me to bring it under control. Does that please God when we do that? It does, right? So what he's talking about is he's basically saying that, you know, these are good things, but they're only good when you're doing them not to impress other people. He said, you need an audience of one if you're going to be doing good things like this. And Jesus cuts right through all of the stuff that, that sometimes goes on, you know, in terms of selfiedom in our culture. Jesus' basic message is, you know, if you're out there and it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're doing the selfie thing, you know, to 
Oh, I do have a phone that actually fits in this thing. Like, I'm not sure how to use this thing yet because I just got it, you know, and so on. So I'm not sure. There's a button here, and I think you charge it, and you're supposed to push it. But anyways, but he said, if you're, if you're down on your knees, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you, you know. <laughs> or, you know, if you're giving money to somebody else, you know, and you're doing a selfie thing like this. Or if you're fasting, you know, and you're, and you're out there, and you're, you're all whizzled up because you're not eating and stuff. But you make sure that you get a picture. He says, you lose the whole point. Like you've lost the plot and you've lost any reward that you might ever get from God. Now, here's what you need to understand. And that is that Jesus attacked religion in general. He didn't attack religious people, but he attacked religion. And I'll tell you how you know this. I mean, the critics of religion, you know, they have plenty of, you know, they have plenty of stuff you know, to, to keep them going, right? You talk to, you know, look at Richard Dawkins and, and the late Christopher Hitchens, you know, and they've got all kinds of material and they can point back, look at all the blood and stuff. And it's true, you know? I think it was, uh, I think it was Richard Dawkins that said, you know, it, um, religion can cause people to do good things, but only religion can cause good people to do bad things. And I'm telling you, there's a trail of blood and a lot of it has to do with the hypocrisy, the things that have been done in Jesus' name that had absolutely nothing to do with him. Now, Jesus talked about the church, but the church wasn't, you know, buildings with steeples on them. He didn't ever ask people to become a part of an institution, you know, and, and to get blessed by somebody and to, and to do special things and rituals there, you know, in that building. The church that he talked about is actually means gathering, gathering of people. And there's a massive difference between having a relationship with God of love and respect for him and going out and doing religious things and trying to make your way into heaven. Because if you look at Jesus, you know, it's pretty clear that he tried to kill off religion. Okay, I think I'm... Um, he replaced the Torah. Remember in this, this is right in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I tell you, and what he's doing is he's putting his teachings right up alongside of that. He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I'm changing that. He says, you know, this gets back further than that, gets into the issue of lust. So he, he, basically, he basically put what he, was, what he was saying right up there with the Torah. He, he did, out, did without the traditions. They had these traditions, you know, with the Sabbath, that, you know, if you, uh, you could bandage up a wound, but you couldn't actually put ointment on it. You know why? Because if you did, the wound was working on the Sabbath. There's just all this crazy stuff, all these rules about how much you could pick up, you know, what you could do. And Jesus said, you've loaded people down like pack animals with this stuff. And it has absolutely nothing to do with faith. Jesus went after tribalism. You know, did you know that when it came up to Jesus, you know how you could be part of God's people? The only way you could do it, if you were a guy especially, is, you know, had a little minor surgery, they had a little, you know, clinic down the street, you know, and, and it was painful surgery, and you had to go in and get circumcised so that you could be part of God's people. That was the only way you could be part of God's people. Jesus, he totally blew this out of the water. He invited Samaritans to be a part. He invited the, the Romans to be a part. He invited Greeks to be a part. He totally did away with this. Priesthood. See, the only way you could get forgiven back in that culture was that you had to go to a priest and then they had to kill an animal and they had to spread the blood on the altar and that was the only way that you could ever be forgiven for sins. Jesus has this guy who's paralyzed, let down right, he's given a talk and all the, this guy gets paralyzed, he's laid right down in front of him and he says, sons, your sins are forgiven. And, and everybody said, what? Who do you think you are? 
because you could not be forgiven apart from a priest forgiving you and offering a sacrifice for your sin. And Jesus did away with the temple. Remember what he said? He said, I'm greater than the temple. And this stuff, see, this is why he got crucified. It wasn't because, you know, of anything else. He lived a perfect life, but it was because he basically replaced religion with himself. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Notice that it has nothing to do with religion. I think about all this for a minute. He shows up out of nowhere, spends three years, you know, did miracles and teaching. These are basically his only credentials. And he broadens God's people to include everyone. And he offers a way of forgiveness through himself. In fact, he told people, he says, unless you believe that I am, in other words, I am the one who actually spoke to Moses. Unless you believe that I am, he says, you'll die in your sin. Now, Jesus claimed that he was God. And either he was or he wasn't. Because, you see, something, you know, if somebody says all religions lead to God, and Jesus says, you know, Religion can't get you to God. Somebody's lying. Somebody's lying. And I don't think it was Jesus. So you can understand why he got into trouble. And we're going to be talking about this during the Easter season. So here's the bare honest truth. Religion as a way of getting to heaven and as a way of earning God's love and approval and as a way of making spiritual progress doesn't work. And you can live out religion all your life. And, you know, and it will not get you to God. It will not get you forgiven. That could only be accomplished because Jesus went to a cross and died for us. He lived the life that I should have lived, and he died the death that I should have died. Jesus made a way for everybody to come, no matter who they are. In fact, no matter what religion they're part of. Because everybody has to leave religion in the rearview mirror to come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's called grace. And what's interesting about grace is that, first of all, it's the entry point into life. And the second thing is that it's also the main barrier. You know what I mean by that? It's because, you see, we would like to be able to get into heaven and say, here I am, God, then I do a wonderful job, you know, job, you know and I helped all these people, I, did, I lived a wonderful life, and, and here I am to receive my reward for my wonderful life. There is this pride in us that makes us want to say, well... I can do this on my own, I think. And that would be the worst mistake you'd ever make. Because you see, the, the goal is not just like God doesn't grade on a curve. Like this isn't just, you know, like, well, I'm good enough. You, you want to, are you perfect? Because that's the requirement. And that's the, that's the only thing, that's the thing that only Jesus can do. So Jesus is getting after this selfie thing and stuff. So imagine, you know, you're a person of prayer. But the problem is that, you know, like, it's kind of like this, you know? Like, you're letting everybody know, oh, I love prayer, you know, and you wrote a book on prayer, how to get what you want from God, you know? And, you know, you let people know how often you pray and how long you pray and how, God, how pleased God is with your prayers. And Jesus said, good for you, but there's no reward. Because your whole thing is like you got one eye on the crowd, and it's like, aren't I wonderful? Same thing with giving. You can, you can help out in every charity in town, and you can go, and you can do all kinds of amazing things and stuff like this, like, bring it on. Look at me. You know, I'm down here again. You know, take my picture. Put me in the front page of the paper. And it and says, if that's the reason you're doing it, if you're out there, even if it's mixed up, like it's kind of like a little bit for me and a little bit for God, Jesus says, you've lost the plot. 
There's no reward. This is not like a two-for-one sale. And it's very clear. He says God rewards our kindness. God rewards you know, our prayers. And God rewards our fasting. He re- rewards the things that we do. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't reward anything that, you know, like you're doing it, like you've got to be in the picture. You know, um, Paul wrote this. And he was a guy, he was like, he was like religious up to here. And then he realized there's a problem because I'm one of the most religious people on the planet. And I've got a heart that's filled with hatred. What's going on? Jesus knocked him off his horse, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he was changed. And he writes this. You probably had the passage about love read at your wedding at some point. You know, love is kind, love is patient, love is, you know, not self-serving, not rude. Guys, remember that love is not rude. And then he, but he writes this before that, and he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would be only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Everybody's impressed with what I say. But if it's about me, it's just a bunch of noise. He said, and if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith I could move mountains but didn't love others, you know, I would be nothing. It's like everybody's gathered around, say something profound for us, you know. Just have faith for us, you know. Yes, yes, I can do that because God and I are like this, you know. He says, you're nothing because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. See, this thing, it works for great pictures for you and, you know, the other people that you're with. You know, you can get this thing out there and get out there like this and take a picture and smile and stuff. I mean, it's, it's okay for that. But you want to leave it out when it gets to your faith, when it gets to religion, because it's like, God says, <laughs> like, gag me with it. This, this makes, me, makes me sick when I see people doing this. Jesus said, if you're using the disciplines as a kind of selfie stick to post pictures of you and God, you know, then enjoy the attention because that's your reward. Now, the end result uh, of all this stuff is unhappiness. You, you can't lead, I mean, especially, I mean, you think about this, like you're doing stuff all your life and you're doing all these things that you think are right. And meanwhile, you're you know, taking pictures of yourself and then you get to the other side and you find out that you've spent all this time, you've spent all this money, you've done all this stuff. And God says, this is ridiculous. This had nothing to do with me. It was all about you. So let me just give you a few takeaways, okay, from this passage. And the first one is, you know, there's some times when you've got to put away your camera. <laughs> you know what I mean? The second takeaway is that self-love and self-respect is a good thing. But don't you think that sometimes people take this a little too far. People want to ask, you know, like, do you have a picture that doesn't have you in it? You know, like, I mean, think about this. Like, if you went out and, and you did this to somebody else and you took all these pictures of them and stuff like this one person, you know they have a title for that. You know what it's called? It's called stalking. Unless you're a grandparent, right? You know, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to stalk your grandkids and stuff like that. So, third takeaway 
is that God does see and reward us when we love other people enough to actually help them and do something for them. And that's where some of the self-focus you see needs to, needs to go away because if you're always thinking about yourself, like if you've always got to be in the picture, then it's going to be pretty hard for you to think about anybody else. See, we desperately need God's help every moment of every single day, and that's why when we get down on our knees and say, God, I need you so much that it pleases him. It pleases God when we do things in our lives and we realize that some of our desires are out of control and we need to kind of bring them in again and, and focus on him. He, that, that pleases him. But it doesn't please him when it's done for everybody else to see. You know, think about it like this. Okay, prayer is a pretty intimate thing, right? Like your prayer is an intimate thing. It's an intimate conversation that you have with God. You imagine somebody, you know, taking pictures of themselves making out with their husband or their wife, you know, and then send them out there for everybody to see. I mean, ooh, that's just gross, you know. Because it's something that's intimate and personal, and it's being sent out to a place where it never should be. Now, here's the bottom line. God's love for us, God giving us salvation, God changing our lives, it's an act of, it's an act of sacrifice in his, on his behalf. Not because he had to do it, but because he loved it. And that takes it out of this, all these categories. We had a woman in, in our church in Pennsylvania, and she, um, her sister, she had a twin sister in another city who um, had kidney disease. She'd lost both of her kidneys. She was on dialysis, and she was dying. And so this woman, you know, basically took one of her kidneys and donated I mean, she didn't do it herself, obviously, but she, you know, donated, donated one of her kidneys to her sister. Can you imagine her sister chasing her, saying, what do, they, what do kidneys cost these days? Because I'd like to pay you for this, you know? Or, you know, like, here, let me pay for the surgery and pay for your time off work, you know? And how about if I pay for some plastic surgery so you look good in a bathing suit again? I mean, it's just, it's just weird because that wasn't why she did it. She did it because she loved her sister and didn't want to see her die. And for us, when we try to pay our way to God, when we try to pay our way into eternity, he did that as an act of love. His son hung on a cross and died for us as an act of love so we could be saved. And I'm telling you, if you get on the whole religion thing, it's a treadmill and you'll never get off of it. Anybody here um, ever been on a treadmill and it's taken you to Ottawa? Ever gone? I never traveled to Ottawa. What about Montreal? Do treadmill take you to Montreal? Can you get there? You can't even get to Stouffville on a treadmill. We have this treadmill down in our basement, you know, and it's lonely down there. It doesn't even smell like sweat, you know, because it hasn't been used in five years, you know. I run. Okay, so I run outside, but I don't run on that thing. But, you know, the treadmill, that's religion. It's on a treadmill, and you aren't you know, you may burn up some of the food you've eaten, you may sweat, and you might feel really good afterwards. But religion is a treadmill, and it gets you nowhere. Faith is spelled done. It's accomplished. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, his last words were tetelestai, which basically means fancy Greek word, which means it's done, it's finished, it's accomplished, it's paid for. So you're okay. Now here's my question for you. Have you ever just accepted the gift? See, we're saved by grace. What God has done for us 
by faith. And it's not something we do because we'd go around and brag about it if we did. But it's a gift that God offers us. It's a gift of life. You ever received that gift? You ever just said, I accept. I accept. I can't do it on my own. I accept what you have died to do for me. Let's pray.